0: Believe you guys are in that moment where it's kind of starting to splash over and it's about to tip over and flow into your lives and flow into this church like never before. So um, honestly, believe that, latch onto that in faith, because I believe that's a word of God for you in this season of ministry. Amen. Okay, so as Odie was saying, um, so I am involved with a ministry called Every Nation uh, Campus. And so what I do on a full-time basis is I go to college campuses, uh, specifically MTSU, which uh, up until this past year was the largest uh, university in uh, in Tennessee, so Middle Tennessee State University. And so we've got about 28,000 students that are studying there. And I, just to kind of get into my testimony a little bit, um, I was... I had grown up in church my entire life, and I left, I left high school, graduated from high school, went to the University of Tennessee my freshman year, which I know University of Tennessee is kind of like a cuss word around these parts, but um, that was what I did, you know, go, you know, I won't say that, never mind, that's fighting words, okay, there uh, yeah, we go, all right, thank you, all right, someone, all right, I feel at home now, I feel at home now, okay, let's not go, let's just not go there right now, okay, please, please, um, So, I went to the University of Tennessee my freshman year, and I encountered something there that I'd never experienced before. I'd encountered a culture where it was not the cool thing to be a Christian. Okay, how many of you know that it's... In the world that we live in now, we are the minority. People who love Jesus and are passionately pursuing the Father, we're a minority. And so when I got to the University of Tennessee, that was the first time I'd experienced that. I grew up in church, went to a Christian high school. And so when I got there, I learned very quickly how to fit in. Um, all I needed to do was get some really cool clothes, uh, join a fraternity, and party every weekend, and which turned into, you know... Every day of the week, pretty much. And, uh, so this is the lifestyle that I kind of entered into when I got to college. Uh, partying, drinking, uh, a heavy uh, lifestyle of drug use. And so I entered into this this culture and got wrapped up in it. And it led me down a very, very dark road uh, in my life. And I later transferred to MTSU after my freshman year. Uh, when you lose one of your scholarships, uh, how many of you know that your parents don't usually take that... They don't like that, right? So they pulled me back to Nashville, and I had to go to MTSU, which I, I went to MTSU kicking and screaming like tooth, and it was bad. Okay, so uh, I got to MTSU, and when I got there, I began to realize how empty this lifestyle is. When you begin to give yourself over to, to the things that the world kind of props up to you to say, if you get this, you'll finally be happy. If you get this, you'll be satisfied. If you get this... You will have the joy that you're seeking after. I have a strong conviction that every human on this planet, every person in this room has a a deep desire to experience fulfillment. Like God has placed that there for a reason. And the reason he's placed that there is because he's the only one that can do that. And when you encounter him, your life will change. And so I began to figure out the emptiness of my lifestyle. Um, Long story short... I got to a point, I was trying to figure out how to fix things. How do I fix this life? And I very quickly began to understand that there, we don't have the power within ourselves to change us, right? Right? We don't have that ability, and so I very quickly picked up on this, and this is exactly the moment in my life where God sent a missionary that was working with our ministry into my life. To, to, he's preaching the gospel a little bit to me, but he simply he was just getting lunch with me, loving on me, and his life just spoke to me. It convicted me just him living for Jesus. I knew that I was missing something that he had. And so when I got this conviction, this is when God began to move in my life. And so again, a long story short, I woke up one morning in my fraternity house and I knew something needed to change and I I met Jesus in a very real way in in, the, in my bedroom in my fraternity house. I hit my knees. It was one of those, you know, like sloppy like, you know, snot and tears all over the place just like encountering God. Because when you encounter the God of the universe, you can't stay the same. Something happens. Like I, I don't like to kind of preach this idea that every time you encounter God, there's just an emotional experience. But God works through those emotions. God works through those. He can speak through your emotions. And so when I encountered God, there was a radical life transformation that I went under. And just from experiencing the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Like when God enters into you, you can't change. There's no way you can change if the God of the universe, you can't change if the God of the universe is living on the inside of you. You have to, there, there, there's something in, on the inside of you that's compelling you, moving you forward in love to be conformed into the image of the sun. Um, and so this is what I experienced. and it, But it wasn't actually until several months later, and even like a, just a process of beginning to understand who I was, that true life transformation began to happen. It wasn't until I began to understand that that I'm a son of the most high living God, that I have an inheritance in him, that he is my father, I am his son, and I get to relate to him in an intimate relationship that my life truly began to change. And so this is what I want to talk to you guys today about today, is who are we? Who are we? Because if you don't know who you are, because a lot of us, we know who God is. But if you don't know who you are, it makes it impossible to relate to him on the level that we're created to relate to him. And so let me give you guys an illustration of this, of why, why it's so important for us to understand who God created us to be. So imagine, if you will, who on here like, goes to the gym like, even like every other week? We got one, I know Odie does, that's a given, right? Um, anyone else? I thought there'd be more people in here than that, okay. All right, I saw, some, I saw Odie, Odie was actually in his back office taking like creatine shots before he came out here. Like, I don't know what that's all about, but no, he wasn't doing that, I'm, I'm playing. Um, and so, so imagine, let's just, let's use, use Odie, he's, a, he's an easy example, just gets, he just gets done working out and he leaves the gym. You know it's chest day, right? Chest day, so you're feeling super pumped. You're just like hyped up on pre workout and you're just ready to go, right? You walk out of the gym and you see this dude, little scrawny kid, jacking this this old lady's purse. And so, you know, they're struggling for a minute, and all of a sudden, he gets the purse, and he takes off running. And you're like, you've been doing some, I don't know, I guess Odie's been doing some, like, wind sprints lately. And so he's like, oh, no, not today. Not today. And so he takes off running, right? And he, he, he catches the little scrawny kid, hits him down, takes the purse, takes it over to the old lady. And, you know, he's a hero now, right? But the dude on the ground, Odie didn't know this, he's got a pistol, so turns around shoots odie right in the chest right that's that's not good i mean you got a lot of important stuff in here right and so hits him right in the right in the chest and the bullet just bounces off imagine this okay that's so, really it's a really you know kind of extreme example but just just roll with me guys just go with it um, and so it bounces off his chest goes to the ground and what happens after that right You're, you, your life's never the same When you realize that, man, I'm bulletproof, like you're going to wake up the next day, man, I'm not going to work, right? I'm going to the military. I'm trying to get some big old, I don't know, some type of awesome contract with military police, something crazy, something awesome. I don't know. If it were me, I would get a Batman suit right? That's what I would do. I would get a Batman suit and I would, I would become Batman and try to figure out how to you know, fix my voice and all that kind of stuff. But anyways, um, that is neither here nor there. Um, I just like Batman. So, okay, let's get back on track. Come on, Zach. Come on. Um, so when you wake up, your life is never the same. But let me ask you guys this. Is there anything different about Odie that day than the day before? He was bulletproof the day before. He's bulletproof that day. The only, th- in his, but his life is on a completely different course. Why? Because he had a revelation, an understanding of who he's already been that he did not previously know the day before. And so, if we can get this, uh, if we can get this into our minds that that, that God has changed us. And then get a proper grasp, a proper understanding that, that of who we are as sons and as daughters of Christ. That's where true transformation happens. True internal transformation. Not just behavioral modifications and trying to stop doing this and start doing this. It's a true deep down transformation that comes by renewing the mind, right? This is this is why the Bible talks about renewing your mind. That transformation, you're transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because when you begin to understand who you've always been in Him, how He's always seen you, you will begin to walk differently. There's no trying. It's just you have revelation and understanding of how much God loves you, and your life's never the same. So, one of my one of my favorite pastors in the world. I've never met him. Someday I hope to. Uh, Many of you may know his name, Bill Johnson, out in California. Uh, He says this. I think it's one of the most wonderful quotes I've ever heard from him. He's got like thousands of them that are amazing, but I'm just going to say this one because it's pertinent to what we're talking about. Um, He says that, let me read it so I don't mess it up. He says, you will always reflect the reality that you're most aware of. You'll always reflect the reality that you're most aware of. And when you have a hyper awareness of who God made you to be, your life will reflect it. Again, there's no trying, there's no white knuckling life and just, uh, uh, it's, you know, you're just living that way. You're living that way because that's, who, that's how God intended you and designed you to operate, right? But I'm convinced that. Most of us don't really have a strong understanding of this. Most people in the in the church, and I'm, I'm not saying people in this room necessarily, but as a whole, as the body of Christ, I believe that we've been lied to by the world and even by well-meaning Christians within the church that have been teaching us wrong theology and wrong, a wrong understanding of who we are for so long that we've actually begun to believe it. They've, they've been telling us, you know what? We're just, you know, you're just a, you're just, you know, we're just the sinners. You're just a sinner that's always going to sin. That's who you are. And we've heard this for so long that we actually begin to walk in it and believe, we believe it. And then we begin to walk in it because we have believed it. And if we can change this thinking, that's when true life transformation begins to happen. We read John 3.16 like this. You know, we all know John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son... That whoever believed in him would have eternal life, right? So what we read this, and we have been taught this way, that for God was just so fed up with the world, that he was just so sick of us messing everything up, that, you know, that his last resort, you know, here's Jesus. Yeah. So that's, that's how we think. So we've never been taught that explicitly, but that's because of just the, the overarching theme of what's been going on in the church for the past hundred years. That's what we've been taught, and that's what we believe, and that's what we live in. So, here's what we have to understand before I go any deeper today that the cross doesn't primarily expose my sin. The cross exposes my value. It doesn't expose your sin, it exposes how valuable you are to God. Who pays for something that's worthless? We are talking earlier, he's, he's redeemed us. What does that mean? He, it means he's bought us with his blood. What's more expensive in the entire world than the blood of the only son of God? Nothing. Which means that's the value that he places on your life. Yeah, that's good. Amen. Amen. Good word. Thank you, Lord. So this is what we're talking about this morning. That was my intro. Um, <laughs> 20 minutes later, all right. So here's what, we want to, here's what I want to do, because I don't want to just give you a bunch of like awesome kind of snippets and tweetable quotes. I want to give you the Word of God, right? right. I, I have to prove this in the Word of God, or otherwise this is just right. stuff that tickles our ears, right? right? And so here's what I want to do. Let's go to Genesis 3, Genesis 3, 1 through 5. I believe we're going to have it up here, correct? Yes, 1 through 5. Now, this is going to be in King James. I don't read out of King James, so I'm I'm in the ESV right now. It says in verse 1, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of of the tree of the... Of the fruits of the tree in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it. Which, this has nothing to do with my sermon today. But this, I think this is very interesting. That, that Eve says to, to the enemy that God told her that she couldn't touch the fruit. Now, God never said that she couldn't touch the fruit. And now, this is the first example in the Bible where a religious spirit actually shows up. Where there is a rule that has been imposed on themselves that, God never, it, that never proceeded from the mouth of God. And so, when we're talking about this kind of this system of religiosity, it shows up actually very early on, but way before the Pharisees ever show up. So, continuing, it says, "Lest you die." But the serpent said to the woman, "You shall sh- you shall not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good from evil." So, this is a very interesting passage, and. I, I, God recently showed me this, because obviously this is Genesis, so like we've heard this a long time growing up, right? Um, but I'd never understood the reality and the implications of this passage right here. It says, the enemy says to her that when you eat of it, you'll be like God. And so here's my question to us right now. Were they or were they not already like God? Think about this. Were they or were they not already like God? It says in Genesis 1 that they were created in his image. Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, right? So Adam and Eve were already like God, And so the primary reason that they fell into sin and temptation from the beginning wasn't because they were just worthless sinners and just destined to sin, and God wanted them to sin, um, and they were just, uh, uh, they wanted power and authority, and they they didn't want God in their life at all. That wasn't the reason at all. The the primary reason they fell into temptation was because they didn't have a revelation of who they already were. If they would have known from the beginning that they were already in the image of God and already like him him, the temptation to be like God would have never settled in. They would have never fallen into temptation. It was a lack of understanding that led them to fall into temptation. So, here's what we have to understand. So that, so when, when Adam and Eve fell into temptation, here's, here's what ended up happening. The image that God had created them in, Right? The, the, the nature that he created them in. The, uh, the inheritance that God had given them. The authority that he created them to walk in. The authority to have dominion over the entire planet. To make the rest of the world look like the Garden of Eden. To bring order to the world. All of that was corrupted right then in that moment. The moment they ate of the fruit, all of that broke. All of that got marred. All of that got corrupted. And so... Every person that has been born since this moment has been born with the same corrupted nature. I can't run from that fact, right? You're bo- we're born into sin. We're born with a corrupted nature. We're born being separated from our rightful position as heirs to the throne of the Most High Living God. But this is why when, when, when Nicodemus in John 3 comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, pretty much, you know, this is the Zach Allison paraphrasing version, how do we get to experience the kingdom? How can I experience the kingdom? And this is why Jesus says to him, he says, listen, you must be born again. You've been born corrupted. You've been born into with a bad nature. You've been born uh, with the image of God that was, you were intended to walk in being marred. And so this is why you must be born again. And this is the good news of the gospel, that we get to be regenerated and completely restored to our rightful positions as sons and daughters. This is the gospel. This is the essence of who we are. This is the essence of what we get to walk in. When you begin to understand that you're a son or you're a daughter, that's when you walk like a son and daughter. It's not when you figure everything out. It's when you just simply understand, I'm a son. I'm a daughter. I can walk that way. And so what I want to do the rest of the time this morning is explain to us, what does it really mean to walk in our new nature? What is that new nature, right? If we have to be born again, what does it mean to be born again? So let's go to 2 Corinthians 5, 16 and 17. This is a very familiar passage for most of us in here. However, I think this is very pertinent because... I just love this passage. I say it every day. Like literally every day, this passage, this, these verses come out of my mouth because this is the reality of who I am. And my, here's, the, here's what I live under, the phrase I live under, that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to believe it, I'm going to believe God's word, I'm going to act in God's word, and I'm going to walk in it until it becomes my reality. Right? So this is a, a phenomenal passage that I want us to read very quickly. 2 Corinthians 5, 16-17. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. The new what? The new what? The old what? The old nature has passed away completely passed away. Does it say kind of passed away? Does it say kind of? Some things get new? No, it says all things have passed away. All, all the old things have passed away and the, the new things have come. Your new nature has come. And so w- before we move any further, we have to understand that when you give your life to Jesus, when you come to God and you say, you know what, God, you can have everything not just the things that I like, not just the things uh, that I don't want in my life anymore. You can have everything. When we submit our lives to Christ, we get born again according to the scriptures, like, John 3, like in John 3. And we become a new creation according to 2 Corinthians 5, 16-17. And so everything that was lost in the garden... Everything that was lost in the garden, our our rightful position as sons and daughters, the authority that God created us to walk in, authority over sin, authority over temptation, authority over the enemy, uh, uh, our inheritance as sons and daughters, all of that gets restored to us in our new nature. And that's a part of who we are. That is who we are. And the sooner that we can believe that is the sooner that we get to actually experience it. Because it's been made available. That nature is there. The essence of that nature is there. So here's what I want to do. Here's what we have to do. Because it's not just enough to know I've been made new. right? You can know that. That's great news. It's great. But in order to experience the fullness of our new nature in Christ. In order to experience everything that's in that. We have to understand what that new nature is like. And so I've got three points for us this morning. Uh, to help us better understand what our new nature is like. Because we, we have a, a, a completely new nature that we need to understand. Again, we're, we're transformed by the renewing of our minds. So when our minds catch up to the reality of God's word, that's when transformation happens. That's, that's when transformation happens. So let's dig into this this morning. Let's not just stay on the surface of, yes, you're new. Woo, awesome. Let's leave lunchtime. Let's dig into this and figure this out. Because I believe that God wants to change some people in this, in this room this morning. He wants to bring transformation. So you can walk out of that, out of this room this morning, completely different. Because of, the, because of your mind, the way you think is being completely altered by the word of God. Uh, John 8 says that, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free, right? And later on it says that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So we experienced the Spirit of the Lord, right, this morning during worship. God showed up in a mighty way to kind of alter some things. Like, we don't know how God does those things, but he encounters us, he moves in us, and everything changes. But one of the primary ways, if this transformation is going to continue, one of the primary ways God does that is through taking truth, and applying it to our hearts. When freedom comes from knowing the truth. Truth sets you free. The Spirit of the Lord is there's freedom, right? So what's the Spirit of the Lord really doing at the end of the day? He's applying truth to our minds. So that we can not just experience freedom, but walk in freedom. And the authority that we have to do that. Okay, let's do this. So my first point this morning is that we are righteous. We are righteous. We are righteous. If you're taking notes, I love when people take notes. It just makes me feel so much better. Goodness gracious. It just makes me feel like everything that's come out of my mouth is just so much more important. This is going out on paper, and, and it'll probably get thrown away someday, but it doesn't matter. Um, so, let's go to 2 Corinthians 5.21, which is just below verse 16 and 17, obviously, because it's, you know, verse 21, and 21 comes right after 17, so... Um, Verse 21 says, For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God made Jesus to be sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus became everything that you were, so that you could become everything that he is. Everything. Everything, not just, not just a little bit. Like, here's here's what we have to understand. Look, it says so that we might become the righteousness of God. See, I was taught my entire life that, you know, even though you're uh, a silly little sinner, and um, you know, you're just always going to sin. Uh, thank goodness God sees you as righteous, right? Thank goodness God sees you as righteous. But is that what this verse says? No, this verse says that we become the righteousness of God. We become the righteousness of God. We're not just seen as righteous, we've actually become, the essence of who we are has become the righteousness of God, which means that we're no longer just seen as righteous, but we actually have the authority through the power of the Holy Spirit to walk in that righteousness. It goes so much farther than, and, and beyond just being seen as righteous, which we are seen as righteous. But the reason we're seen as righteous is because God has made you righteous. The essence of your being, is the very, to the core, is absolutely and eternally righteous, There's a lot of Christians that are walking around. There's probably a lot of Christians in this room, actually. I know this from experience. I haven't been doing ministry very long, but I, do, I, do, I have been doing ministry long enough to know that there are Christians in this room right now that are trying extremely hard to bear righteous fruit, to be a good Christian, to seek after the Lord, to be who you know you've called to be, um, and to live, live in the reality of what God's called you to live in. And try, trying so hard to be, be what you know you've been called to be. And you, you just seem, keep seeming to fall short every time. There's always just something next on the horizon. And the reason I believe this is because we don't believe that we've actually been made righteous. Righteous trees bear righteous fruit. Let me ask you guys this question. So, any... Tree farmers like apple, Anybody like an apple tree or any type of tree in their yard that bears any type of fruit? I oh, mean, I thought this is this Kentucky. All right, we got one person. All right, I thought we had, we had some. I don't know, anyways. All right, um, so when you have a tree, an apple tree in in your yard, that apple tree bears fruit. Can you imagine an apple tree sitting there going, apple? Okay, not yet. Uh, Apple! Okay, finally, goodness gracious. No, they don't try to produce fruit. They simply produce fruit because they're apple trees. It's the same way with with our walk with Christ. When you realize that you are righteous, you bear righteous fruit. Declare that. Walk in that, believe that until it becomes your reality. And, and the reason I'm convinced that most of us don't experience that, the reason I'm, I'm convinced most people don't experience this, is because one, we don't believe that we're righteous trees. But we have stepped into a place where we have begun to exalt our experience over the word of God. This is big. This is big. This is really big. Listen to me right now if you don't hear anything else that I hear today. Please listen to this. The reason most of us aren't experiencing the fact that we have become righteous is because we're exalting our experience over the word of God. God's word says that we have become righteous. And just because your life may not be measuring up to what God's word says doesn't mean it's not true anymore, right? That's what faith is. That's what the essence of faith is, is believing God's word, even when your experience doesn't measure up to what God's saying. That's right. And so this is where freedom truly is. And let's go to Romans six real quick, just because I, I, I'm going to blow through scriptures real quick, cause, just because there's a couple of them that I want to run through. but it doesn't just s- s- end at being righteous. What's the opposite of righteousness? sin? Which means that we're no longer sinners. That's no longer our identity. That's not who we are anymore. In Romans 6, verse 6, it says that we know that our old self was crucified. We are dead. That's what the word of God says. Now, again, if you're not experiencing this, it doesn't make this not true. This means we just got to believe what God's word says above our experience. And then we will experience this. With him, in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. Again, the body of sin, according to God's word, has been brought to absolutely nothing. This is how God sees you right now. The body of sin has been brought to absolutely nothing. For the one who has died to sin has been set free from sin. This is just one verse in the Bible. This is one verse. We're completely severed from the power of sin. Verse 11 says, so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God. Again, we're dead, completely dead to sin. Verse 14, for sin has no dominion over you. Again, like this is what God thinks about us. But now that you have been set free from sin, in verse 22, you have become slaves to God. And the fruit, here's that that fruit again, the fruit that you get leads to sanctification and it ends in eternal life. We cannot settle for anything less than what this Bible says. We cannot settle for anything less. Again, this is what I live my life by. This is what I live my life by. I don't care what I'm experiencing. I don't care what I'm walking through. I don't care what I'm seeing in front of me. This is what I'm believing. I don't care where God's trying to grow me. I don't care. Like, yes, God is growing me in areas of my life right now. He's trying to grow every person in this room right now in this moment. But that doesn't give you The ability to stop believing that this is who you are. This is where authority is, this is where life is, this is where joy is, this is where peace is. And if you can stay in this place in the midst of, okay, God, I thank you that that's not who I am anymore. I thank you that, yes, you're trying to grow me in this area, but I thank you, God, for truth. I thank you that I've been changed. God, I thank you there was a moment in my life where this would never have even crossed my radar of conviction. And I thank you that you're revealing truth to me in such a way that I'm living a completely transformed life from here on out. That is what we get to walk in. So that's my first point. We are righteous. That's the first thing you have to understand about the essence of your new nature is that God has made you righteous. Not just You're not just seen as righteous anymore. This is big for, for my teenagers down here because this was, this was like kind of the, the, the entanglement of the lies that the enemy had me in. Well, you know, I'm just, I'm righteous. You know, thank goodness I'm righteous because I'm struggling. But... There came came a point in my life where that just wasn't enough. I had to begin to believe the Bible in a new way, to believe that I'm not just seen as righteous, but I have become righteous and empowered through the authority of the Holy Spirit to live in that righteousness. Point one, you're righteous. Point two, you're forgiven. Point two, you're forgiven. And I love this point because most people check out this point because they're like, oh, we know that. That's Christianity 101, right? Jesus died for my sins. Pastor, I know I'm forgiven. Well, let's just go to scriptures. Ephesians 1, 7 through 8. In him, we have redemption. God, I love that. I love that word, redemption. Anyone know what that means? It means we've been purchased, which means we're his. We're his. Nothing can take us from the gri- his grips. He bought us, and we are not going anywhere. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished. I love that word too. The word lavish just kind of means like, it's too much, right? If you lavish love on somebody, you're lavishing kisses on somebody or hugs on somebody. They're probably just like, ugh, get off me, like, ugh, get, uh. But because it's just too much for most of us to, to, to handle, right, sometimes. This is the word God uses When talking about forgiveness, it's too much for us to handle. It's just, it's almost unfathomable, unbelievable that God would give us this much forgiveness. And again, because this is Christianity 101, I feel a responsibility to kind of jar us this morning into understanding that there's probably a lot of us in this room that aren't walking in the fullness of that understanding, The, again, I haven't been doing ministry long, but I've, I've been in ministry long enough to see the heartache that comes from people walking in shame, condemnation, and guilt. Christians that come to church every day, every, every week, go to, they go to a Bible study, they go to a, a midweek service, they go to anything they can get their hands on, and they just have no confidence in who they are, no confidence in who God's made them to be, because they keep seeing themselves through the lens Of who they used to be. That's all they can see. It's the only thing that's on their mind. Is who they used to be. And so. The first thing in experiencing. The fullness of the forgiveness. That we're not just called to be forgiven. But actually walk in forgiveness. Which is where I'm heading with this. Is receiving the forgiveness of God. You know what that means? That means when you walk out of this room. That you have an absolutely clean conscience. Absolutely clean. No matter, what, no matter what you did last week, last year, before you got saved, after you got saved, I find that most of the time it's for people that have, after they, they get saved, they get born again, they know right from wrong, and then they step into something that's outside of who they are, and they just walk in the shame. Because shame, here's, here's what guilt says guilt says you deserve punishment, condemnation says you're not forgiven, and shame says that mistake is who you are. And there's a lot of people that are walking in that. that. That mistake that you made, that thing that you keep going back to, that, can't, that thing that, that steals a clean conscience toward the Lord, that thing that, that, that saps your energy, that thing that, uh, that keeps you from going to God in confidence every day, that thing that you did, it's been washed away. It's gone. It's completely gone. God has cast your sins as far as the east is from the west. It's gone. Receive that. I believe that something's that was for somebody in this room. I can guarantee you that right now, that someone's going to walk free today because of that word. And the second reason I'm I'm kind of convinced that we're not walking in the fullness of the forgiveness that God's made available—we don't have a full revelation in understanding the forgiveness that God has given us—is because of the, uh, the 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 tendency that most Christians have to walk in offense the tendency that, ha- that most Christians have to walk in offense. fence. I hear things like this. Um, college students say to me all the time, I can't, I, oh, my dad, my mom, I can't believe they treat me like this. How dare they? This, my boyfriend, my girlfriend, we've been dating for uh, two weeks already, man. I can't believe she treat me like this, man. It's terrible. Or, here, here's one that probably hit more. home. We're, we're driving on the road, right? Someone cuts us off. Oh no, they didn't. Not today. They're getting it. Mm. So that that probably hits home, probably a little bit more, right? How, uh, do they know who I am? I'm a cashier at Target. Oh my gosh, not today, my friend. And it's, it's all funny games. But wait, what the essence of that is? That 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 response. One, it's attachment to our old, our, who we used to be, finding purpose and meaning and identity, and something that's completely apart from Christ. But two, it's offense, being offended because of how someone treated you. Can you can you imagine? And, and, and we have we have even like, oh, we have books written on this, right? Uh, it, we, like in 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 like counseling settings, as pastors, we say, "Well, you know, you know, just be careful, you know, go, you know, put up some walls, um, guard your heart, guard your heart, bro, guard your heart. You know, you know, it's wellspring of life. There's life in there. Guard it." But can we imagine Jesus treating us like that? Think about this. Can we imagine Jesus talking to the Father before He came to Earth, saying? Yo, papi. I don't I'm not really sure how Jesus talks to the Father, but I just like to imagine it that way. Um, yo, daddy yo. Uh, I don't think it's really a good idea for me to go down there. Uh You don't, you know, we we both have this omniscient thing going on, right? We you know, you know what I know, right? They're gonna they're gonna speak really badly of me. They're gonna they're gonna persecute me. They're gonna want to kill me for my entire life. And then uh, when I try to heal their sick, they're gonna call me demon possessed. That's weird. And um, and then they're gonna put me on a cross. Have you ever seen a cross, Dad? I don't want to do that. Can you imagine? And, and then you know the, the father saying to Jesus, "Well, son, you should you yeah I don't think it's a good idea for you to down down there. It's, it's probably not a good idea." You need to guard your heart. It's in Proverbs. Come on now. Um, It's in Proverbs. Can you imagine a conversation like that between the father and the son? No. Why? Because Jesus didn't treat us like that. He came after us. He tore down every wall possible to come after us. He tore down everything that stood in His way from having us in His family to be a part of His family for forever. That is what God has done for us. I just, I can't get over this. Here's another one. Jesus, going to the cross, right? Bearing His cross, boom. Big old cross. And He's you know getting close up there, and he's just like getting super tired. Yeah, I, can you imagine him going, "Oh, gosh, Peter, what a bum! What a bum! I told him I was good. I even told him he was going to deny me, and he still denied me three times." Man, forget this. Forget that guy, man. Judas, Judas. Don't even get me started on Judas, Lord. Um. 30 pieces of silver, really? I'm God, and you traded me for 30 pieces of silver. Like, forget this. They can save themselves. I'm out of here. Beam me up, Scotty. <laughs> like, can you imagine Jesus doing that? I can say beam me up, Scotty, now because all the recent, you know, Star Trek films that have come out. It's made that relevant again, so I like that. Um, so, but here's my question is if it sounds so funny coming out of Jesus' mouth, why does it sound so natural coming out of ours? Why does it sound so natural coming out of our, our mouths? Picking up a fence towards every little thing that gets done towards us. Man, my boss, I cannot believe he's treating me like this. I, I'm getting another job. Instead of receiving the forgiveness of God. And walking in that forgiveness towards every person that's around us. Every single person. No matter how they treat us, we have been created by God to become love. Not just receive love, but to become love. To not just receive forgiveness, but to become the essence of what it means to walk in forgiveness. This is how God treated us. And this is what we're called to walk in. Because we've been called to be created into the image of the Son. Amen? Amen? So I hope this isn't coming off mean, but I find this to be a very big, this, this, this area of offense. One, it keeps us from, doesn't it keep us from receiving the forgiveness of God? Because you can receive forgiveness of God anytime. It doesn't matter. It's always available. Because Jesus died 2,000 years ago. It's not a, Receiving forgiveness isn't a future event. It's something that's paid for already. But this area of offense will affect your experience of that forgiveness. That experience of that, walking with a clean conscience, walking free from from holding on to things of how people have treated you. There's, there's freedom in this, and if you'll get that and walk in that, this is the, ah, life flows through you here. The Spirit of God has been placed on the inside of us as a well, not to just spring forth into eternal life, but to flow out of us as a river. And offense will clog that. So, yes. Again, I hope this isn't coming off tough, but here's, here's the reality that I walk in as a communicator of the gospel that, again, truth is what sets us free. And now, repentance is not a bad thing. Repentance is fun now because it's, oh, that's what I'm, I'm supposed to walk in, that's what I get to experience. Awesome. Correct a wrong way of thinking and you're walking a new way of life. That's what repentance is. Repentance isn't, ooh, ooh. oh, goodness, thank goodness that's over with. Repentance is, oh, that's a, a, not a, the right way to think. This is the, ro- the right way to think. I'm gonna choose to walk in this and walk in freedom. So, receive that, please. All right, third point, and I'm gonna close on this. Make this brief as possible because I, I, I see some... Hungry bellies in the audience today. Okay, um, let's do let's do this. Let's go to actually let's not even go there. I'm just gonna re, I'm just gonna do the Zach Allison paraphrase version. Um, so there's a very interesting story in three of the gospels, the the synoptic gospels, the synoptic gospels. There we go. I like to say that word because it makes me f- feel fancy. Um, the synoptic gospel gospels. There we go. I don't spell um, <laughs> That was not tongues, For those of you that are wondering, um, the there's this interesting story where Jesus gets baptized. Right, he gets baptized, and so you know John the Baptist is over here. Um, just for the sake of you know illustration, he's over here in a river. Jordan River is running right there, and he's baptizing people. You know, he's taking breaks, eating some locusts and honey, and um, you know got some camel hair. You know. It's, crazy stuff going on. So Jesus walks up, right? Jesus walks up and he says, I need to be baptized. I need to be baptized. And John looks at him and is like, you want me to baptize you? I need to be baptized by you. And then Jesus says something really interesting. He says, no, this needs to be done to fulfill all righteousness. And I'm not going to stand here this morning and act like I know what the, the fullness of the reality of what that meant. But we'll get to that in a minute. And so John baptizes Jesus, the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus like a dove, and it's almost exactly recorded the exact same way in all three Gospels. Um, and when the Holy Spirit descends like a dove, Jesus from that moment on is anointed with power to minister in the gifts of the Holy Spirit for the first time. Now, I, I, I won't say it definitively, but from what we can, we can see from the Scriptures this is the first moment he begins to operate in the power that he's already had. So which means that we now, with, with the, the infilling and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, get to operate in that same authority as well. Um, so, the Holy Spirit descends, and this is, where I, this, is, this is what blows my mind. So, the, the, the heavens crack open, and there's a voice from heaven that speaks forth and says, This is my son. In some versions it says, this is the son that I love. This is my son whom I love. And then he goes farther and says, with whom I am well pleased. And so this is important to understand for two reasons. So remember in in 2 Corinthians 17 where it says, or 21 rather, where it says that we have become the righteousness of God. So the righteousness that we have become in Christ when we give our lives to him and we get regenerated and born again we become the righteousness that Jesus fulfilled at his baptism. So again, I don't know the full workings of that, but I do know that, that we have become the righteousness that Jesus fulfilled at his baptism. And that's important because that means also that the declaration from heaven... From the father to his son, that we are, that he is his son in whom he's well pleased. Is now the exact same declaration of our lives right now in this moment. I don't care what you're what, you experience, what you're experiencing, what you're walking in. If you are born again, if you have given your life to Jesus, that is his declaration over your life forever, forever. Not when you 're doing good and not and, and kind of when you 're you know re, you know he loves you and he 's really proud of you when you 're doing really good, but he 's just kinda proud of you no it 's a single declaration of of God being pleased with you and God being proud of you, and it is life transforming if you 'll receive that word when I was um, I guess probably about five years ago now. Uh, my parents were living in Georgia at the time, and they were living from they were moving from a condo to a new ha- a new home. And I was helping my dad move, and my mom was kind of chilling because you know she's a mom, and so she's like packing boxes and, you know, oh my gosh, maybe we could throw that away, Goodwill. And and so I'm not sure why I threw that in there, but anyways, it's okay. I get so distracted. Ah. Um, and so when the, I was, I took a a box to the, the truck, right? I took a box to the truck and I came back and my dad stopped me. And he said, he said something to me that I'll never forget. He actually, he'll probably listen to this after I get done. He probably doesn't remember this at all, but I remember this like clear as day. He looked at me right in my eyes and he said, son, I'm proud of you. He said, son, I'm proud of you. And the reason that was such a life a, a, a mind-altering moment for me. At the time, I was not saved at all. I was walking in darkness, not in light. I, I, was, I was running from God as, as fast as I could, and I was wrapped up in a bunch of drug use and a bunch of, of alcoholism and, gosh, just, you just name it. And my parents knew, like, this wasn't just like a secret. I was, I was a bad liar, bad at hiding things, and so they knew this. And so this is what makes this so important. is because my dad looked at me through all of that and said, son, I'm proud of you. And how did he have the ability to say that? Why did he say that to me? Because he had the ability to look past what I was living at the time, to see who I was created to be and to declare who I was in the midst of how I was living. That's how God sees every person in this room. Every single person. And so looking back, like in that moment, it didn't cause a moment of repentance for me. But looking back, God brought that up in a prayer time one time. I was just me and God, praying, praying in the spirit, just sitting there, listening to some worship music, enjoying the presence of God. And God brought that up to me. And I just broke in that moment because I knew that this this is a declaration over my life that will never change, ever, 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 ever. And I'm not sitting here telling you now you can just go live however you want to, but when you realize this, your your actions will follow. When you realize that you are son and daughter of, of the living God and that he is proud of you, you will walk that way. And if, it, if it's not happening, you're not experiencing it, you just keep believing it, it's going to happen and declaring it's going to happen. Again, I keep saying this, until it happens, until it becomes your reality. I was at the pool, I'll close on this story, I was at the pool a couple weeks ago. And there was this kid that was trying to do a backflip over and over and over again. And he finally got down. It wasn't even like a backflip off the off the pool. It was just you know in the pool. He's a really young kid, so he's like you know just woo, little, little little you know tumbling things in the pool. And so he finally got down. And his dad was actually like you know five feet away doing like actual flips in the pool with his friends. And so the kid finally gets it down, and he starts yelling to his dad, 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 look, dad, look, dad, look, and so. I'm not, you know, harping on the guy, but like he was, you know, sitting there kind of having a good time with his friends and drinking a little bit. And, um, you know, they weren't being stupid or anything like that. But he's just sitting there, you know, wasn't, just seemed to didn't hear his child at all. His, His son kept saying over and over again, dad, look, dad, look at me. And the the dad, after like almost a minute and a half to two minutes, the dad finally turned around and looked at him for just barely long enough for the kid to to do the backflip. And the the dad didn't even, again, I'm not trying to harp on the guy. It It was pretty sad. He just kind of looked away. Didn't even acknowledge the kid did it. And God spoke to me in that moment and said that there's an entire generation of Christians that are viewing God the exact same way. That that son was looking at his dad. God, dad, look at me. Dad, please look at me. Please. Be- I'm begging you, look at me. Please. Uh, look, Dad, look, I'm going. I'm, I'm, look at this Bible study I'm going to now. Dad, look at this, uh, uh, this church service. I'm, I'm going to two church services now. Look how, Dad, look how gifted I am now. When, when the declaration from the Father through Jesus' life the entire time, His Son, I see you. I know who you are. I'm paying attention. I've seen everything that you've ever done. And then we even, a lot of times, treat other people the same way. Guys, look look at, my, look at my clothes. Look at my house. Look at my car. Look at this. Look what I've done. Aren't y'all impressed with me? And there's an entire generation. I see it all the time on the college campus. There's an entire generation of young people and, and even mature people, people who have been walking with God for a long time that are caught in this rat race, of trying to just simply fit in, to fit in with church culture, to fit in with the world, to fit in with this, to fit in with that friend group, to fit in with the pastor, to look like this, to look like that. We've been trained by a lie for so long that we have to fit in in order to find peace and joy that we never stop long enough to just hear that simple voice. Son, I'm proud of you. Daughter, I'm proud of you. That will change your life it changed my life, and I, I believe that it's actually changing hearts right now in this moment. That, that when you understand that you are righteous, that you've been forgiven, and that, God, that your Father is pleased with you and that He loves you, you'll never be the same. Your life will align. If you, if you believe this long enough, your life will look like it. Your life will look like it. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you to stop doing this, start doing this. All I'm going to tell you is God is pleased with you. He's got a plan and a destiny for your life. That he's, he's, every prophetic word he gives you, everything he ever speaks to you is getting you from where you're at to what you're called to be. Everything. Let's pray. God, I thank you. I just thank you for who you are. Lord, I thank you that you're such a, Such a close father, such a near father, such a uh, father that that runs after us, that chases us, that changes us, that moves us forward, that compels us in love to be conformed into love. And God, I just thank you for the work that you're doing in the hearts of individuals in this room this morning, God, that there is a transformation that's happening, that there is a breakthrough that's happening. I declare that right now in the name of Jesus, that there is a breaking of every demonic stronghold. There is a breaking of every 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 lie that has been believed for so long. There is a breaking right now that's happening, that there's a freedom that's coming, that you said that we would be free indeed, Lord. You said we would be free indeed. That that Indeed means that we get to not just in theory, be free, but actually experience freedom, God. And I thank you that you're ushering freedom into this place right now in the mighty name of Jesus. What I want to do here with everyone's eyes actually still bowed, um, staying in an attitude of prayer as the worship team comes up. Um, This is a moment to be real with God, to be real with yourself and to experience the Holy Spirit as he speaks truth to your heart and you experience the freedom that he's paid for. I want to pray for a couple of groups in this room right now that will be bold enough to just simply respond by raising your hand to say, this, this is true of me and I want to experience what you're talking about, Zach. If, um, If you're in this room and you are saying to yourself, man, I, what you're talking about right now, this new nature, this new this transformation, I, mean, I don't think I've ever experienced that. I may have grown up in church. I may have been experiencing church for a long time. I may know a lot of Bible scriptures, been around the church. If that's you, and you're like, man, I've never experienced this rebirth, this absolute transformation to the core of who I am. If you've never experienced that, please raise your hand right now. I want to pray for you. This is, a, this is a moment where you can get real with God. Anyone else? Anyone else? This is a, there's no one looking but God and you. This is a moment to be real with God. God can do a work right now, and I believe he is. All right, all right. You can put your hands down, God. I thank you for the heart transformation that is happening in these two young people right now in Jesus' name. But I thank you that you are taking them out of darkness and placing them in, the mar- in your marvelous light, God. That they're walking in the newness of life in accordance with your word, Lord. I thank you that there is a transformation by the power of the Holy Spirit that's happening right now, where you are literally infilling them with your power and your love, God. This love that I'm talking about isn't just a a theory. It isn't just an idea. This is an experience that you can experience right now in this moment, God. So I pray that you would cover them with your love, that you would protect them from, from this moment on, that you would seal them by your mighty Holy Spirit. If you would like to know more about Our Father's House and upcoming events, log on to OurFathersHouseKY.org.